Hello, welcome to Eurovision in Isolation, the year 2000. It's a big year. We've got, we had the Olympics, we avoided the millennium bug, and the PlayStation 2 was launched. To guide us through the muddy waters of the year, uh, we have Alex Smith. Hi there, Phil. We have Daniel Irvin. Hello. We have Minnie Meyer. Hi, Phil. And Simon Rickenback. Hi, Phil. Good to be here. <laughs> so, the year 2000, and we are in Stockholm following Charlotte Nilsson's win in Jerusalem in 1999 with her song Take Me to Your Heaven. So, we are at the Globe Arena in Stockholm. Biggest uh, arena yet for Eurovision, 16,000 people there. Uh, and we have picked out five songs uh, for your entertainment and our perusal. So we shall guide you through these tonight and we will be awarding some douze points and some nil points and some hopefully some lovely factual information for you along the way. So we're going to start with uh, a song with a, a lovely positive attitude. This is uh, Be Happy by Ping Pong. Yes, well, that was Be Happy. Uh, Dan, do you want to talk us through uh, through that song a little bit for me, please? Sure, yeah, this is... Um, so for, for those of you at home not not following along with the, with the, the video here, only hearing, hearing the song, what you basically have here is the Israeli Spice Girls, uh, and they're also featuring Shaggy <laughs> from Scooby-Doo fame, not of... Not of uh, it wasn't me fame. So now you've got, now you've got the picture... Uh, it's, I think this is a this is a really nice tune. It's a nice, happy little dance track. It's it's really nice. It's just a real shame they had to sing over it. <laughs> I don't know. Two thousand. Did they have auto tune then? They probably should have done if they didn't. But yeah, it's uh, it's very poor quality performance uh, in my opinion. Um, it's, it's it's really fun that you've uh, you've brought up auto tune because two thousand was the year of auto-tune controversy at Eurovision. Now, uh, I don't know if you know the Eurovision rules, but the Eurovision rules are obviously that they have to be singing live. And and the winning act, spoilers, was Denmark and the Olsen brothers. And at one point for about a, a three, four seconds of the song, they use a sort of vocalizer to slightly digitally distort his his song. And some countries were not happy about this. Now, this song went on to win. There was controversy. Well, there wasn't a lot of controversy. We're talking a minor amount of controversy. But, um, yeah, it was the year of should auto-tune be allowed? And obviously it was because they won. Of all of the things that I expected to come out of this song and controversial moments, I thought it would be the Syrian flag waving. <laughs> just, just a point of clarification. Is it Syria, not Palestine? Uh, those are Syrian flags. It's an interesting time politically for Israel and sort of the Middle East peace process because Bill Clinton's coming towards the end of his time in office and he's desperate to secure himself a legacy. And so he's he's going around trying to set up essentially Middle East peace meetings and through 
the early part of 2000 into sort of March, there's a big push for Syria and Israel to get together and get around the table and come to some sort of agreement. Um, and that actually that actually fails in March um, of that year, leading to the big sort of Camp David summit where um, in, Bill Clinton basically changes tack, accepts that he's not going to get peace between Israel and, Israel and Syria and moves on to Israel and Palestine, which also uh, ends up failing. Um, and it's it's kind of difficult to tell whether this this song is like um, that, you know, the, the talks have ended in failure and it's hard to tell whether this is a genuine message of sort of peace and reconciliation between Israel and Palestine or sort of a, a bit of a fuck you because the whole thing is so terrible. Thank you, Dan Snow, for joining us a little bit late there. <laughs> if there was a political message in the song, it's a shame that it's been completely ruined by an absolutely awful song. Welcome to Eurovision, Alex. That's that's what all political songs do. They tend to get ruined by an absolutely awful song. When when listening to to the to, to ping pong, um, I've initially written down here that it's it's got kind of Venga Boys vibes, but uh, it was really quite disrespectful of the Venga Boys. So instead, I've gone this this has got this has got Battle of the Bands at school vibes for me. It's incredibly <laughs> poor quality, poorly sung, um, off key, awful choreography. I, I thought the the line uh, be happy never before has have the words be happy sounded so insincere. Yeah, I thought um, that there's that middle bit as well where sort of the the bald guy starts weirdly caressing the the sort of ginger spice woman, and it's sort of got sort a of blink twice if you're being held hostage kind of vibe to it as he's sort of rubbing her arm in a really weird and creepy way. Yeah. I, I, got quite uncomfortable at that point can i just bring us back to the choreography a little bit because i think it's worth pointing out that it does look genuinely like a, a sort of primary school talent show style of choreography which has somehow made it onto the eurovision stage and i just i'm baffled i am baffled even back as far as 2000 how this was the best they could do primary school choreography and primark clothes and also, I watched it with my housemate, and he said it was worse than Gemini. Woo. I'm kind of with him. Like, Gemini had the potential to have a half-decent song there, which was just sort of very out of tune in the first couple of bars. But uh, this is quite out of tune all the way through, and is not a great song either. Yeah, the thing about Gemini is it's quite a catchy song that you never actually heard. Hmm. So obviously Gemini, um, Gemini got nil point, which leads us on nicely to where did this song actually come? So I have uh, pre-warned everyone that the songs that I've picked out for today uh, came uh, third, fifth, seventh, 15th and 22nd uh, in the final tally. Uh, so where do we think this one came? And I suppose the question is, does anyone want to give this song their douze point? Or, indeed, their nilpois. I would like to give this song my nilpois. I do think it's really rubbish. And I don't think there's any way this... I think this song probably came the lowest position of all the songs we're listening to tonight. Yeah, it's get, it gets my nilpois as well. And I'll be disappointed and upset in the Eurovision uh, clientele and viewers if it, if it was higher than 22nd. Well, I shall uh, keep you on tenterhooks, I think, for a little bit of time, and we will come back and find out later how this song does. So we shall move on, and the next banger from the year 2000 
is Sweden. And this is Roger Ponter with his uh, seminal hit, When Spirits Are Calling My Name. So, obviously the host nation here. So, Alex, what did you think? I really like this song. I really enjoyed it. I think uh, it's it's cracking kind of costume design. I did wonder whether it was one of those that might have been more powerful sung in uh, Sweden's native tongue, because I'm not entirely sure he kind of nails some of the transitions in the English language. Um, as much as he might have if it was if it was done in in Swedish. Really interesting that you mentioned that, Alex, because this song did actually win Melody Festivalen, Sweden's selection show in Swedish. It was translated into English for the for the final. Well, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what that sounds like because it's it's one of the it's it's a really powerful, intense song. I th- I would suspect that this song did did quite well. The key change at the end with the supportive pyrotechnics looks and sounds fantastic um and you know you mentioned sweden with the host nation my feeling over the years is that often the host nations acts are kind of middling to bottom of the table that's sort of anecdotally where i kind of feel like they end up when they're hosting the hosts don't not certainly in recent years for me anyway don't seem to have done as well um as the previous were always they'd won this one i would hope did did quite well and i think if you're swedish you'd be you'd have been pretty proud to have seen this this performance and this act um I, re- I really enjoyed it i agree with you that it's a really good song um and it's sung really well i think this guy is probably he's probably the best singer um that we're showcasing tonight although there is some not particularly stiff competition but i think that <laughs> i do think the songs um and and i might have this wrong but i do think it's not aged well this performance Ooh. i think that you know if there's um to me it looks like a sort of um that they're all dressed as native americans which feels to me quite cultural appropriation-y and like looking at this i actually i felt a little bit uncomfortable watching it the thing it made me think about was israel's song toy in in 2018 that that won with the the woman sort of dressed up in the traditional sort of japanese garb um, which caused a little bit of controversy but not not a huge amount i wonder if we'll sort of similarly in in 20 years time i'll look back on that song with a sort of similar feeling i don't know but maybe that was someone phil with, I'm, with... I'm assuming you're gonna you're gonna correct him here yeah i am don't worry um there, there is certainly some element of native american themes but predominantly it's more sami themes from scandinavia roger ponte is of sami descent this song in its original language narvidana visca mit nam not quite as catchy a title so yeah i i don't think the uh, cultural appropriation was particularly an issue then. I suspect it's still not now, as it's predominantly Sami and they're a minority group uh, themselves. A more recent example of the Sami culture at Eurovision was Norway's 2019 entry, Spirit in the Sky, and Fred, the uh, Sami rapper in that song. There's also a moment where it looks like the cameraman collapses. Technical difficulties of the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't you can't blame poor Roger Ponter on on the cameraman's fallibilities, can you? 
No, I wasn't. Although I was wondering if there were technical difficulties this competition, because there's a lot of bad, not in Sweden's one, but there's a lot of bad singing, which I'm sure we're going to come to. There, there is a lot of bad singing, but I think it is just actually of the time. I think the quality of the singing at the Eurovision Song Contest was not as strong in 2000 as it is in 2020. The singers were on it now. I think I, the, one of my overall sort of thoughts, having seen all five songs for this podcast, was that, you know, eight years was obviously quite a long time when it comes to Eurovision production. This year seems particularly budget compared to 2008 and I know that we were joking around in the last podcast about pre-crash capitalist decadence you could see they spent a lot of money on the set and what have you but the production the production here does seem a shade of what it was in 2008 which was only sort of eight years hence so I think yeah, I think it's sort of is right I think that it's a it, this wasn't a budget production I don't think you've seen it in either of the two videos so far but there are five portable video screens on the stage there that are very high end for the time it's the biggest arena that Eurovision has been hosted in up to that point I think it, it what Alex says is correct I think it eight years is just a very long time I think the real watermark year where you will start to see a better quality of staging and production will be 2003. That's the first year where it really crosses a watermark. There's also certainly a weird element that everyone in the audience had sat down and it looks like the first, the sort of the front 10 rows or something are all there in black tie. It looks almost like a, you know, it's it's still harking back to the the, the old school let's all have a song contest and see who the best singer is rather than being a full like entertainment show, I guess. Um, Absolutely. I'm so glad someone picked up on the black tie in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's very traditional for what the show was, but obviously over the coming couple of decades, it, it veers away from that. And yeah, it does feel weird in the sort of modern Eurovision to look at all these people sat down in black tie for the event. Does anybody want to give this song their dues poire? And I don't I don't feel from discussions like anyone's gonna give it its nil poire. Well, having having thought I was making the sort of ultra woke point earlier and actually have turned out to 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 look staggeringly culturally unaware, I actually I, I think this is probably the best song um, <laughs> if, uh, we're looking nice, at. Nice recovery, uh, Simon. Nice recovery. Uh, <laughs> uh, never let me say that I cannot do a U-turn. Um yeah, so I, I think this probably is going to get my dues points. I, I disagree with Alex. I think the host nations tend to do quite well. Um, they tend to sort of, they don't win usually, but they they tend to sort of, there's a bit of like, oh, thanks for hosting. Here's a couple of points and stuff like that. So I, uh, with that as well, I think this song probably did quite well. I think musically, I think it's aged very well. I think this is far catchier than a lot of the, uh, a lot of the other songs uh, in this year. Uh, Sweden, obviously the, powerhouse of eurovision that they are i think they've come across they've come out well i think it's uh i think it's a really great song and we will come back to whether or not they received any uh hosting bonus points later in the show so on to song number three of tonight we are skipping our way into central europe uh, and somewhere down the middle of the rhine and into germany for Stefan Raab with Vade Hade Dudi Da. 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 
Well, that's quite enough of that. So I'm going to throw it straight over to our German correspondent, Mini Meyer. Well, Phil, what we have here is Chris Evans doing allergy fancy dress. He sings a nonsense song badly. And he's backed by what looks like the village people, except they've all accidentally come as the cowboy one. And <laughs> at the end, the backing dancers take off their tops and it's too little too late. Then I've written Stefan Raab. I'd rather see Dominic Raab. Wow. Mm. Ouch. Stefan Raab is back in the news this week. He is. Yes. Uh, Germany have announced that they are putting out a free Eurovision competition on the day of the original competition or the original scheduled date for 2020 at least and that is going to be produced by Stefan Raab. The interesting point on that is that he's been retired for five six years from anything uh, televisual so is this a an announcement back into the ring? Uh, there is also strong strong rumours at the moment that he is already back in television as the sloth on the German version of The Masked Singer. I think something that's interesting is at the start of the song, they've got the caption comes up and it's got a question mark. It's what I had a do da da. It's like the guy, the guy's writing it is sort of like not sure if he's spelt it right. And he's just left that in there to remind him to go back and check it later. Do you know what it is? It's just, do you remember when, when you played The Sims and you put on the radio on The Sims, and there'd be some nonsense with words to a nice <laughs> tune just coming out of the radio? But do da da. I watched this twice, and my initial thought was this is a novelty act because of how they're all dressed and the costume change that many mentioned where the, the female backing singers all whip their kind of cowboy vests off. The way that he was introduced as well, I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be absolute toilet. This is going to be absolute garbage. But do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a dissenting view here. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's really funky. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what it means. Uh, obviously, completely over my head. But I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think I think it's a really catchy song. Um, it may even be one of my favourite Eurovision songs of all time, having heard it now. Um, and I think it's really well choreographed. I think, do you know what? Decent costumes. The dancing is cheesy, and it's a little bit kind of... Uh, you know, work talent show style vibes and simple moves, but they're all on. They're all on time. I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was absolutely awesome. To the point, I might even download it for my iPod. I thought it, it was is relentlessly catchy. There's sort of like a, a, a like night fever throwback yeah. retro thing going on. I did. And... I have to confess, I, I was uh, I, I listened to the videos yesterday, and I, I caught myself singing in the shower, and I was like, "What am I even singing?" And then I realised it's, it's I think it's brilliant. I think it's really good. It's perfect for Eurovision because it's it's international. It's not. It isn't. It isn't one mm. language. It's not English, French. It's nonsense. Everyone understands it. Okay. There there seems to be a lot of debate here as to what he's saying. You don't know what he's saying. Shall I Shall I break this down for you now? Absolutely. So the key line, vade hade dudi da, it's a question. It literally translates as, what do you there have? Tinnitus. <laughs> so, but it is grammatically inconsistent in German. You would never say it, 
but the whole song and all the rap parts are sort of punny questions. They're all all in German. It's not just a nonsense language, Dan. This is all in German. And if you hear um, the backing singers, they do actually sing in English. They say, I am so curious. I just want to know what you there have. And that is also intentionally bad English, picking up the grammatically strange German. So, I mean, it's what it is, is actually linguistically very, very clever. And I agree with Alex. I do have this on my phone. Uh, it is one of my all-time favourites. It is it is a bit novelty, but I don't think there's anything wrong with b- uh, being a novelty song if you've got a bang in tune with it and uh, some really clever lyrics that I don't understand most of, but I'm sure they're really clever in German. Stefan Raab, for any of you that don't know, is my broadcasting icon. It's It's hard to explain in terms of English entertainers, but he's somewhere between... Jeremy Clarkson and Graham Norton. He's a uh, he's an outspoken shock jock in the American sort of usage, but he's he's really into his music and he's really into Eurovision. This is his second of three involvements in in Eurovision. He was instrumental in picking Lena out, who went on to win in 2010 with Satellite. He's my icon. If I could replicate anyone in the world, it would be Stefan Raab. I can't. I can't consider it anymore. This is getting my douce. Well, I can't wait. I yep. couldn't wait to be asked. This is Germany from Alex. Douce I, I I do think it's a good song. I do. I did have a good time with it. Um, but I I think it's middle of the pack. I think it will be exactly the third best song out of the five. Dan, douce poire. Yeah, this is the best of the five. Brilliant. It's it's fantastic. It's it's everything that Eurovision is about. I think. Right, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Let's move on to Macedonia and their band XXL with the song 100% Tilubium. So that was Macedonia and the song, which I'm just going to call 100% from now on. We've had the primary school talent show. So here is the secondary school talent show entry. And they've come dressed as a pack of gel pens, very of the era. And somehow the Powerpuff Girls have have gained a fourth member. They are singing in, I presume, Macedonian about how much they, they love me. It is, it's a very strange song. And inexplicably one of them is wearing a wig which i have still yet to figure out quite why but um on that note i shall pass you over to who should i come to dan dan any thoughts so phil just 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 to clarify all of these songs have made the final right because this song has no business being in the final it shouldn't be in the semi-final <laughs> it should have been knocked out in the quarters or the group stage or some some kind of <laughs> Early qualification round. <laughs> so, uh, good question, strong question. We didn't have semi-finals far as far back as 2000. So, uh, semi-finals were brought in further down the line. 
at this point they had a a system of relegation and promotion so uh, macedonia got promoted this year so uh, make of that what you will it's a disappointing first entrance into the eurovision premier league um as we've said before on the podcast i'm I'd, i'd love to know the selection process in macedonia and what this beat that they thought should be the representative of Macedonia in the in the in the final. It did beat twenty one other songs in the Skopje Fest two thousand. I mean, goodness me! I mean, I know we've said before about another act here, but you know, I've I've thought here this is th- these are the Macedonian Spice Girls, and like the actual Spice Girls, I think only one can actually sing. Which, when there's sort of four <laughs> of them all sharing the mic, uh, it sounds absolute garbage. Look, you know, you know me by now. I do know with, you yeah. with the with the yaki papai vibes. I like a song in its native tongue. Uh, so you've got that, that got some points from me, but broadly, it's a really disappointing effort. Um, and again, it's like you said in the in your in your intro, this is Battle of the Bands vibes. This is this is an infant infant school level, um, and indeed in infant school kind of costumes as well with the kind of three quarter length <laughs> denim yeah. shorts. The costumes um, are awful, aren't they? Yeah, I mean that that is. I, I, look, it was the year two thousands, and I think kind of exposed oh, exposed oh. mid riffs were were in fashion. I think. Yeah. But I, you know, I really didn't enjoy this song. It's historically bad. I, I I don't even actually have much to talk about. I just think. It's it's just really bad, and there's a bit where you think it's over, and they start singing again. And it gets even worse. Um, hey, when they start singing again after that, they start singing in English. Yeah, and yeah, and it gets worse. <laughs> it's just like that. I do like that they sort of lined them up in best to worst for their sort of their bit in the verse where they all sing in turn. Regarding regarding the choreography and staging, I clocked two backing dancers. Which yep. look really out of place when There's it's a a already a four-woman band. This is the perfect opportunity for me to explain this common Eurovision quirk. Obviously, I think you should all be aware that in Eurovision rules, you're only allowed six people on stage. And so every act does opt to have all six people on stage, because obviously you can get a bit more depth to the vocals, etc., etc. They do have to be on stage, though. Usually, I mean, you can hide them behind... Uh, piece of set or scenery but quite often you will see acts especially four pieces or three pieces have an awkward number of backing singers and backing dancers off to the side somewhere and this is this is why so yes they are kept in the dark i would have just thought just have them in the dark have them in black have them providing the vocals but yeah quite often they do decide to give them a little bit of choreography as well because why not last time we were talking about how there's a lot of gimmickry to compensate for a lack of singing ability. And what I've found shocking about this and Israel as well is there's no compensation for the fact they can't sing. They just sort of stand there. They might as well not be on stage at all. It's almost like a sympathy vote. Yes, we don't have enough people that can sing well. Uh, We've put a girl in a bad wig. Please give us some votes. When they cut to the crowd, I know I know they're already lifeless in their black tie, but they sort of seem especially lifeless during this particular performance, almost in shock at what they're <laughs> watching. To give this song some credit, which we're not, we're obviously not the target market for it. I think this is, it has a strong sort of teeny pop, um, sort of like, I can imagine if you're a 10-year-old girl, this is quite fun, this is quite aspirational, you would want to be up there. But it does give a sort of strange that strange eurovision vibe especially of this era 
where a lot of the people that are uh, that go along are in this black tie and this doesn't sit well for any of them it's even too teeny pop for the gay contingent that is there i think even they want slightly more high campery surely than just i mean you could you could sub these in for the wiggles and and they would do pretty much the same job wouldn't they they're even color coordinated already the song reminded me a bit of heaven is a place on earth but instead of belinda carlisle it's a puddle (laughs) right on which note so it's not well thought of on the group i take that does anyone want i assume no one wants to give it then give them their dues point but does anyone want to give them their nil point yeah it's getting my nil point this was actually where i wrote down were their tech issues yeah they don't sing well do they they're not good singers I've not used my nil point, so I will I will use my nil point here. Definitely deserving. It's shooting straight into last place here. Finally for tonight, uh, we are heading over to this year's only debutantes. So we had Azerbaijan last episode debuting at Eurovision. And here we have Latvia and their act is Brainstorm. And their song is My Star. It's my Well, that was my star. I don't know what sort of star he was talking about, but a star nonetheless. Simon. Yeah, it's an interesting song, this one. It's, it's kind of rare to see um, a sort of five-piece band, um, although I, I don't think they're playing the instruments uh, on stage there. Um, they're, they're fronted by a guy that kind of looks like James Blunt, wearing <laughs> the still blood-stained kimono of uh, Julian Morn that he was wearing when he clubbed that fox to death. Um, <laughs> he sort of moves around like a puppet in that his legs and feet don't, they sort of move completely independently, like someone's, <laughs> someone else is sort of controlling his limbs, like playing a weird game of Eurovision Quop or something. For me, it's got that kind of Sunshine Superman Donovan vibe to it. I don't know if anyone else was kind of feeling that. I thought it was quite a strong, strong folksy number. Although I did yeah, wonder, and you know, we mentioned earlier, with you know, with the the eight years from our first podcast in 2008 to to 2000, this one. I mean, how far back in time have we gone? Because this is the second set of flares I've seen. Yeah. This evening. Yeah. There's, there's a there's a lot of flares. Um. That I mean, that shirt is just hideous. Can we can we cover that? You said James Blunt. I thought he looked a bit more like Chris Addison from the thick of it. It looked like Ozark Christmas party. Whilst we're on fashion choices, I don't think I've ever, before or since, seen anyone play Eurovision in a Middlesbrough football shirt. But one of them's definitely wearing a football shirt. Similar satoral uniqueness. The uh, the drummer's wearing a bucket hat. And the and the acoustic guitarist is in scrubs. What, the TV show? or the? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is not a Middlesbrough kit. That is a Man United. United. Yeah. yeah. The reason that the reason I thought Middlesbrough is because they've put a big white strip of gaffer tape across the sponsor logo. But that is that is Manchester United's uh, 1998 kit before their treble winning season. 
it's a it's a nice song this it's it's very sweet it's very twee it um i mean not not quite at portugal 2018 levels but mm-hmm. it's 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 nice it's enjoyable it's accessible i i suspected i suspect it did quite well yeah i think okay. it, it's it's actually we've said quite a few things of, uh, sort of you know of their time i think this is actually quite ahead of its time it's sort of it kind of preempts a, a, a sort of folk revival, I think. Maybe I was sidelined by the um, by the outfits, but I. Uh, so maybe you're right, but I I thought it was a little bit behind its time. I thought it was sort of harking back about three four years to the peak of of Britpop, with its yeah. sort of bucket hats and its dodgy outfits. But uh, but yeah, musically you're probably right. It is probably a little bit ahead of its time. I'm giving it my Yolande Douze-Poix um, because oh. I think he's energetic and he's a bit of a wacky dancer and he can sing. More energy than Israel and Macedonia combined, I think. I can't, I can't give it the 12, the Douze-Poix because I've already awarded them to, to Vare, Dare, Dudi, Da. But what I will say, which I think is a probably some compliment to the lead singer, I, I suspect if he was around in the 70s, he would have been an absolute sex icon. <laughs> I think it's a really powerful look. Lose that white shirt underneath and, yeah, he's a sex icon in any era. <laughs> you think Chris Addison is a sex icon now? Again, if Chris Addison was around in the 70s, I think he'd have been an absolute sex icon, Mini. <laughs> OK, well, I, I must admit, um, I'm surprised at uh, everyone's taste and everyone's general fondness for this song. I thought it was... Yeah, I, I don't really see this song if I'm if I'm brutally honest with you, but clearly it has aged better than I thought. So uh, thank you for your thoughts. Exactly why we're here. So I think it's fair to say, having totted up the uh, the douze pois and the the nil pois, our most favourite song as a group was Vade Hade Dudida, followed by uh, My Star Latvia, probably then followed best by sweden followed by israel and then possibly macedonia is our least favorite so is it time to reveal all so the worst place of these songs in 22nd place on the night that was for your for your information out of 24 songs so it did still beat two songs uh was israel and be happy uh they came last they did perform first in the running order which is not usually all that helpful but um yeah it was it was the lowest of the five songs that you listened to in 15th place was macedonia again they did beat nine other countries that's quite high that's quite quite high high. it's quite high we're going with quite high i think we found the catchphrase for the podcast that's quite quite high. high In in seventh was was Sweden and Roger Pontaire. In fifth overall was Vadit Hadit Duditda. And not the winner on the night, but the winner from this selection in third place overall, which is a great debut performance for Latvia with my star. So actually, given that there's a 20 year gap here, we were pretty much with the voters on the night. Eurovision will next be travelling to Copenhagen because Eurovision 2000 was won by the Olsen brothers with their song Fly on the Wings of Love. So we're off to Copenhagen and and Denmark next, but we are not on the podcast. There's another catchphrase for you. (laughs) Um, 
we are bringing it right into the current era with our next visit. We are off to Kiev and Eurovision 2017 next. So uh, fly back all those three years and we will see you in Kiev next time. And Alex, this is just for you because next time we have official Yoki Papai vibes. Yoki Papai vibes. Looking forward to it. It, it kind of works as a, an ending cut as well because it's like what do you have there now you have a podcast yeah.